morning. Welcome to Kavanaugh. First Sunday of the new year. We're thankful that you're here. Let's worship our king together. You guys can be seated just for a few seconds, okay? Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's so good to have you guys. Welcome to 2021 at Kavanaugh Church, right? It's good to have you guys here. It's awesome. And for those tuning in online this morning, thank you so much for tuning in. It's good to have you uh, as well. Man, I don't know about you. I'm still recovering from staying up till midnight the other evening. I turned 33 over the holidays, and I'm feeling it, Brother Will. I'm feeling it. I don't know. But my five-year-old, on the other hand, with a large Coca-Cola in hand, he made it all the way, and he was ready to stay up even longer. More and more board games of sorry, all right? Now I'm sorry that his sleep schedule's off, right? But man, hey, it was a year, we, it's been the year that we've been anticipating for. A lot of things going to hopefully happen, a lot of changes going to be happening, get away from 2020 as far as possible. And, but hey, look, we have a lot of things that we're excited about. But there's one thing I hope and pray for happens, and it's this prayer that I found out for our youth ministry. I uh, found for our youth ministry. It's going to be our prayer starting this, this upcoming Wednesday. It's this. Dear Jesus, your days are without beginning and without end. 
we dedicate this coming year to you. Give us such prosperity as you know is good for us. And make us abound in doing whatever is pleasing to you. And I hope and pray that that's your prayer and your goal for this new year. All right? So let's pray. Let's stand up and let's pray. And let's ask God's blessing on these services services this morning. All right? Bow with me. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us all back together, God, as a church family. Lord, it's good to be here this morning together worshiping you. Lord, so much that you have in store for us, God. And we are excited to receive all of it. So, God, open our hearts and open our minds. Help us to be, be the people that you want us to be. Be with Brother Will as he brings the message this morning and touch our lives in your name. Amen. Remain standing. Let's pray.
we could have healing and we could have a life that's worth living. Let's sing about that same love.
and when you move through this crowd that you would change and that they would seek you and only you and the love that you have for them today. I pray, God, that for 2021, that everyone here and listening online would not lean into our own understanding, but that we would lean into you, that we would draw upon your strength and your love and your compassion so that it can outflow from us as we come into contact with those who may not know you. And I pray, God, for Brother Will as he brings the message this morning that the Spirit would flow through him and that he would speak what you would have him to speak and we would hear those words that you would have us to hear. I pray, God, that you would move freely among us and freely among those that are listening online. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. big hand, would you? They do a great job. We certainly appreciate their ministry. Good, good to see you this morning. Welcome to 2021. We've made it. Yeah. All right. We're here. We're good. I don't know if you've made any uh, New Year's resolutions. If you have, keep your hand down, okay? Because I don't want you to embarrass yourself because you're probably not going to keep them. I'm, aren't I being positive this morning? Yeah. yeah just Mr. Positivity. Uh, I've, I've got a New Year's resolution. I only made one this year. I want 2021 to be a year where I grow. I want to grow, all right? Now, not like my son Zane, okay? Zane is trying to gain weight. He's trying to get, he wants to get bigger. I told him the secret of, of gaining weight. You eat more. You just eat, and he, he constantly eats. But he, want, he, doesn't, he wants no fat. He wants all muscles, what he's wanting. And that's hard to do, you know? You know what that takes? That takes daily discipline, Okay? Now, the kind of growth I'm looking for is growth in my walk with Jesus. I want to be closer to Jesus tomorrow than I am today. That is what we call discipleship. It's progressive sanctification. And before we got into the Christmas season, I was preaching a series on growth. Okay, That's what we all need to do. We all need to be more like Jesus than we have been before. And I want 2021 to be your year of spiritual growth as well. So I'm going to go back and recapture what I was preaching. We were using a little phrase that is found over and over in the Bible. The phrase is day by day. And that is the key to growth. For Zane and gaining muscle, getting bigger, guys, it's, it's daily discipline to lifting weights and eating a whole lot, all right? So our spiritual growth is dependent upon what we do day by day. And today we find that phrase found in, in Acts chapter 16. I'll come to that here. Acts chapter 17, I'll come to that here in a moment. But it is our day-by-day -day agenda and our day-by-day -day work that we do for the Lord. Well, one of my favorite authors and preachers is a guy by the name of John Maxwell. He pastored a big church out in California, and then he became a mentor to preachers and a motivational speaker. He's written numerous books on leadership. And in one of Maxwell's books entitled Today Matters, he claims that the secret of our success is in our daily agendas. He goes on to explain that there are only a handful of really important decisions that we need to make in life. And when we make these decisions that are once and for all decisions, then the key to success is managing those decisions on a daily basis. Here's what he wrote in his book. If we want to do something with our lives, then we must focus on today. That's where tomorrow's success lies. But how do you win today? How do you make today a great day instead of a day that just falls to pieces? Here's the missing piece. The secret of your success is determined by your daily agenda. And then he goes on in his book and explains this. He says, if I could come to your house and spend one day with you, one 24-hour period of just, just tagging along beside you, watching everything you did and where you go and what you did with your time. He said, after spending a day with you, I can tell you whether or not your life is going to be successful or not. 
He goes on to say this, the secret of your success is determined by your daily agenda. If you want to make, if you would just make a few key decisions and then manage them well in your daily agenda, you will succeed in life. You will never change your life until you change something that you do daily. I think John is on to something there. And so you know what? Today I want to try that. I want to experiment with that. Not necessarily in your life, but let's experience that through the life of the great Apostle Paul. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to look at one day in the life of this great Apostle's life. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul is on his second missionary journey. He comes to the city of Berea. And there in Berea, he begins sharing the gospel, and he has great success. They're starting a new church, and and many people are being saved. However, opposition follows him from the previous city that he was in, Thessalonica. And these people come down from Thessalonica, and they they start harassing the Apostle Paul and the new believers. And, And so instead of staying there and causing trouble for the new church and the new believers... Paul meanders down to the great city of Athens. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 17, verse 13. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed there in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues both with Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace, and there's our little phrase, How often did he do this? Day by day with those who just happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Now, I don't want to hear that come from any of you this morning, all right? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideals. Some things don't change, do they? Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. And then he just opened up and he preached one of the greatest sermons that ever came out of the lips of the Apostle Paul. So, Acts chapter 16 and 17 are wonderful chapters that we can read and study because as we read these chapters, we're tagging along with the Apostle Paul as he goes from city to city spreading the gospel of Jesus. He started up in the north of Greece and moved southward. He begins in chapter 16 in Macedonia. And he rumbles his way down through Philippi, and then Thessalonica, and then Berea. Now he is in Athens, and he's going to end up in Corinth. It really doesn't appear that Athens was actually on the Apostle Paul's itinerary when he started this second missionary journey. He he was literally forced to go to Athens. And as he is there, he is waiting until Silas and Timothy 
can join him. And, and as you read through chapter 17, you kind of get the idea that Paul is first thinking, you know what, I'm going to spend a few days just relaxing and recuperating here in Athens and walk through this great city and, and see all the things that I have heard about and read about. It, really, he needed a couple of days of rest and relaxation. It, he's been hard at it for a long time. And maybe he was cherishing that moment of just being able to, to kind of shut things down and, and do nothing. But church, let me remind you, there is never a time when we can take a vacation from lost souls. There is never a time when we are outside of doing what God may speak to us and call us to do. Let me put it like this. As a Christian, you never take a vacation from being a Christian. If you're a Christian, that's it. You're a Christian 365 days a year, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You don't, don't take a break from being a Christian. And foremost, the Apostle Paul was a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we read this in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them, that is Timothy and Silas in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that this city was full of idols. And so he asked around and found the local temple and he went to this Jewish synagogue and he started telling them about the Messiah. Verse 17 says, So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplaces. And day by day he preached to those who just happened to be there. And this story continues. He went on to deliver one of the most famous sermons he ever preached. It's called the Sermon on Mars Hill. But for all of his work and labor, Paul had very few results to report from his mission in Athens. He did not start a church there, and only a few people got saved. How do we know that? Because the chapter ends in verse 34. It says, a few men became followers of Paul and believed. And that was it. Chapter 18 begins with this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And we know that in Corinth, Paul had great success. So what about his stay in Athens? What, what do we learn about doing the will of God? Well, here's the point that I want to make today. And it is a point that God has repeatedly taught me throughout my life. And I've really been thinking about this lately. The most important decision we make in life is to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? So I would agree with John Maxwell. There are only a few really important decisions that we make. And following Jesus and making him Lord and Master of our life is one of those important decisions. And after we make Jesus King of our life and Lord of our life, then he assigns our work out to us day by day. Are you following me? I'm a believer, a follower of Jesus. He's my king. He is my Lord. And the Bible tells me that every day God has an assignment for me, work that I need to do day by day. And what I've discovered is this. Success in life is not found in achievements that we make. It's not found in rewards that we receive. Real success is not getting certain people to pat us on the back and tell us good job, a good job you've done. No, real success in life is simply doing what Jesus has appointed us to do day by day. And you know what? Many times that daily assignment is unseen by anybody else. The only two people who know about it is the one who gave it and the one receiving it. But real success is found in doing God's will day by day. God has an agenda for your life every single day. God has a to-do list with your name on the top of it. God has a schedule for you to follow every single day. I love Psalm 139 verse 16. It says this, out of the Living Bible Translation. You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I ever began to breathe. 
Every day, Lord, has been recorded in your book. So God portions out our work day by day, and he assigns our duties as he sees fit. Guys, let me just back up a little bit and say this. You understand and know that that we live life day by day. You can't go back and change your past. You can go back and review it. You can plan for the future, but we live life in day-by-day increments. And even more specifically than that, we live life moment-by-moment. That is a biblical phrase, living life day-by-day. And so I'm going to help you today by sharing with you or suggesting seven ways of making sure that each day is lived according to God's agenda for your life. Now, this is a really practical message. In fact, I would, I would dare say this is the most practical message I've preached this year. <laughs> Thank you, eight people who laughed at that, all right? Appreciate that. It is practical. So write these things down. Seven ways we can live and be a success in our life. Number one, you put God's agenda first. If you want to be successful in what you do and have great success according to God's rules and regulations, you need to put God's agenda first. Every morning, okay, here's, here's my, my suggestion to you. Okay? I'm not going to force you to do it. I can't do that. But I highly suggest that every morning before you leave your house, you pray a real simple prayer, something like this. Lord, your agenda first in my life today. Lord, more than anything else, I want your will first in my life. I know that you have a to-do list for me today, and I simply want to do your to-do list. You can pray it any way you want, but do you get the gist of it? You're putting God's agenda first. You need to pray, Lord, I offer my body as a living sacrifice to you. I want it to be acceptable because that is my reasonable service to you. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and I want your will to be done on earth as you have already written it down in heaven. Now, guys, that is biblical from Jesus' model prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Nathan, I know this. God has in heaven his will for my life already written out for today. He, he, he knows what he wants me to do for his kingdom today. Now, I'm down here on earth, and I have a free will. It's a pretty cool little phrase, isn't it? You put Baptist at the end, and there's where we are, free will Baptist. We have a choice. And my prayer every morning is, Lord, may your will that you have already written down for my life be fleshed out by me today. I want to do your will, your way today. And for you to be a success every day in 2021, it starts when you put God's agenda before your agenda. But that brings me to number two. You need to plan your schedule carefully. Now, you might say, well, you you just told me to put God's agenda first, so what I'm going to do is just veg out on the couch all day and wait for God to move in some mysterious way and show me what he wants me to do. That's not the way it works, all right? We are to go about our daily life with our agenda, but you are to plan your day very, very carefully. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, the apostle Paul gives us his philosophy of time management. Ephesians 5, 16, Paul says, redeem the time. Really, what he's saying is there, you make good use of every moment that you're alive. Redeem the time. He goes on to explain why. He says, because the days are evil. I don't think I need to remind you that we're living in some pretty evil days, right? So you need to make good use of every moment that you have. Redeem the time because the days are evil. I think that's exactly what Paul is doing here in Athens. Now, years ago... I decided to, to start a practice in my life to, to write down every day the things that I did in a day's time. 
It, it all actually started when I was in seminary. One of my professors uh, in class one day in a pastoral ministry class shared with us his previous experience as a pastor, and he, he had actually pastored down in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and apparently had a pretty rough go of it. He, he had some, some pretty mean people in his church and some very demanding deacons, and they were constantly in his office demanding, okay, preacher, what'd you do today, you know? Because some of the people in this church only thought that preachers worked three hours a week. That's a... First service, people laughed at that. Y'all are, are thinking, well, I thought that was it, all you do. And so he said, I, I decided early in ministry that I was going to journal everything I did in a day's time and keep it in a book. So when those guys came in demanding, what, what are you doing? I would just let them read it for themselves. This is what I do every day. And I'm a young seminary student pastoring a, a church in, in Fort Worth, and I thought, pretty good idea. So I started doing the same thing. I would, I would journal every day of what I did. And for the first 15, 20 years of ministry, I, I kept a lengthy journal of, of what I did daily. But you know what? Nobody has ever asked me to see it. <laughs> I, I still do it, but I'm not nearly as involved in doing it as I used to be, but I still hit the highlights of, of what I, I do every day. But let me tell you what that did for me. It, it did something amazing for me. It was revealing to me, and it impressed upon me the importance of having a daily agenda, a daily calendar, of prioritizing the things that needed to be done that day and working diligently trying to get those things done. The great question becomes one of priorities. What does God want me to do with my time? What people and what things are most important in my life? And am I making sure that in my daily and weekly schedule, it is reflecting those priorities of what's really important? Psalm 90 tells us to number our days that we may present to the Lord a heart of wisdom. So we have every moment of our day to live. We need to schedule those moments wisely and make sure we're doing the right things. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, guard well your spare moments. They are like uncut diamonds. Discard them and their value will never be known. But improve them, and they will become the brightest gems in a useful life. Pretty good stuff. Number three, you need to accept interruptions wisely. As we look at Paul's example in Acts chapter 17, we, we can't help but notice how his ministry kept being interrupted. I mean, ev everything he did got interrupted. But Paul had this unique capacity to take those interruptions from the Lord and know that God is bringing those interruptions into his life, and he just kept on trucking. You see, we've got to maintain discipline schedules. Why? Because we are redeeming the time. But having said that, when we turn our daily schedules over to God and say, Lord, your agenda first today, well, there may be interruptions. And those interruptions frequently represent God's agenda for your life. Has that ever happened to you? I told one story first service. I got another story for the second service people. Um, back in probably 1985, 86, we were in Fort Worth going to seminary. I pastored the Western Hills Free Will Baptist Church out on the west side of uh, Fort, Fort Worth, Texas, right off the interstate. And uh, a small congregation, just not a whole lot of people in the church. But right next to the church was this little white house. I think it was a two-bedroom house. And while we were there, a, a family moved in. It was a mom and dad. They had several kids, and then cousins lived with them. So there were like 10 kids in this house, small kids, from probably the oldest girl was 14 down to little bitty baby in the house. And one day they were all outside playing, those kids were, and and I started talking to them, and I invited them to Sunday school and church. Very next Sunday, they showed up at church, man. They were all dressed up in the best clothes they had. And man, there's a whole crew of them, 10 of them. Even they even brought the little baby over with them. Mom and dad didn't come, but all the kids came. 
And every Sunday we could count on those kids. And, and, and there's a little boy, I don't know, Ezekiel was maybe, what would you say, 10, 10, 9, 10 years old. He just kind of, he, he, he became attached to me, okay? And, and they loved Miss Angie. And every Sunday they were there. Well, th this was summertime of 1985, 86. And, and I got up one Sunday and I preached my message. And then I told him at the end, I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to camp this afternoon because I'm the camp evangelist. You've been out to that camp out there in West Texas, uh, pretty close to Bowie, Texas. And, and I said, y'all pray for me. I'm going to camp. We didn't have any kids going to camp that year. I said, but I'm the evangelist and, and pray for me as I go to camp. It's going to be all week long. And I was, I was the evangelist and I was looking forward to it. Some, some preacher friends were going to be there and, and my only responsibility was going to be preaching. And man, I was looking forward to it. After the service, little Ezekiel came up to me and he said, I want to go to camp. And all of a sudden, these red lights started flashing in my head. I, I realized that, you know, he's just, he's just a 10-year-old kid, and if he goes to camp, guess who's going to be his guardian? I said, well, Ezekiel, why don't you go home and ask your mama if it's okay, and I'm gonna leave, I'll leave the church at 2 o'clock, and if, if you can go, just be here at 2 o'clock. Well, I pulled into the church, guess who was standing in the parking lot? Oh, Ezekiel. He had a little plastic bag a little kind of like a walmart sack today and i asked him to see inside of it he had one change of clothes that was it he kind of messed up my plans i had plans for that week guess what my plans were down the drain i had to pay his fee to get into camp i stopped at walmart bought him all the essentials i gave him my sleeping bag and my pillow and he tagged along with me every day of camp that week. I had to make sure that he had a shower, that he ate his food, that he changed his underwear. I mean, I had... he was my responsibility. Totally changed my plans that week. He messed up my plans. You know what? The last night of that camp, Ezekiel came to the altar. And I went down with him and I said, Ezekiel, what, what can the Lord do for you tonight? And he said, I want to be saved. So I got to pray with Ezekiel, brought him back home and baptized him. Some of his sisters and brothers got saved. We baptized them. Every Sunday they were in church until one Sunday they weren't there. And so I went over and knocked on the door. They were gone. Had no, had no idea where they went. They were just gone. About two months later, I was in my office in that little church, and, and I heard a tat, tat, tat on my window, and I opened the blinds, and there was Ezekiel. He said, can I have some water? So I led him in the church. He was on his bicycle. They had moved five miles away, and he had ridden his bicycle just to tell me that they had moved. And I said, well, Ezekiel, where are you living? He told me, I said, this Sunday, if you want to go to church, Miss Angie and I will stop and pick you up. And for the next year, every Sunday, we went by and picked up Ezekiel, his brothers and sisters, and brought them to church. One Sunday, we drove over to their house, and they were gone. I haven't seen him since. He was the little guy that messed up my schedule. You know what, I look back on that and say, Lord, keep messing my schedule up like that. I, I don't mind those interruptions. You know why? Because they are God's will. And, and as you read through the gospel, you see this happening to Jesus all the time. Jesus is doing something that is important, something in ministry. But God's agenda changes things, and Jesus is interrupted. One day he's walking to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter is sick and he's going to heal her. But as he's walking through this crowd of people, he stops and said, who touched me? Amen. And the disciples said, Jesus, people are all around you. On every side, people are touching you. He said, no, somebody I felt power come out of my life. And he turned around and there was that little old lady who for years had suffered with an issue of a loss of blood. And through that interruption, she was healed that day. I remember the story of Jesus preaching in Peter's house. It was a capacity crowd, standing room only. 
And all of a sudden, some debris started falling from the ceiling. You see, there were four guys who had a friend who couldn't walk, and they were carrying him on a mat. They tried to get to Jesus through the front door, but because of the crowd, they couldn't. So they had a great idea. Let's go up on the roof, take the tiles away. They cut a hole in the roof, and they, they dropped this guy down on his mat. Can I tell you something? That interrupted Jesus' sermon. But Jesus took that as a divine appointment from God, and he healed the guy. I remember one time Jesus was going to Jerusalem, walking through a city called Jericho. He was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, this old man started crying out to him, Have mercy on me, son of David! And Jesus stopped what he was doing. He was interrupted, but he stopped, and he gave sight to blind Bartimaeus. You know what? Sometimes... Interruptions are God's divine appointments. And so you put God first. You make out your schedule as good as you can. But you accept interruptions wisely. Number four, take disappointments as God's divine appointments. Sometimes a disappointment is God's way of showing us what he doesn't want us to do. I thought one of you would say amen. We don't like it when our plans get messed up, do we? But God knows what's best for us. And sometimes those interruptions, those disappointments are God's appointments. It's God's way of decluttering our schedule. In each of the cities that the Apostle Paul visited, he suffered a big disappointment. But we look back and we see how those disappointments spurred him to go to new cities and start new churches and win more people to Christ. The lesson is that when we've fully yielded to the Lord, closed doors become God's way of opening windows for us to go through. And can I tell you this? If God closes a door in your life, if God shuts the door and says, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to be a part of that. When God closes a door, he always opens a window. And that brings me to the next point, number five, look for open doors. I want you to notice this passage again, especially verses 16 and 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well in the, as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to show up. So whoever happened to be there became Paul's audience for the day. He took advantage of the opportunity. He looked for the open doors. And here in the marketplace, God gave him an open door. So you need to be looking for open doors. Number six, perform small tasks gladly. I went back and rewrote this point and, and said this about it. Do the little things with a smile on your face. Hmm? Why? Because the little things we do are bigger than the great things that we do. I really think the little things are bigger than the great things that we do because we have the little things all the time. And if we're not faithful doing the little things, we're never going to get an opportunity to do the big things. So we need to be faithful with the little things. We, we need to understand the importance of the sacred ordinary because that's how God works. Notice three verses with me. The first is Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability in his name. How about Ecclesiastes 9.10? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Put everything into it. And then one last verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Even the small things, do them with a smile on your face, knowing that this is God's will for your life. So let me review these first six things. Number one, put God's agenda first. 
Number two, make out your schedule very carefully. Number three, accept interruptions wisely. Number four, take disappointments as God's divine appointments. Number five, look for the open windows or the open doors that God opens. And then number six, perform those small tasks with delight. And it brings me to number seven, which is the last one. Number seven, leave the unknown and the undone in God's hands. Leave what you can't finish in God's hands. After we've done everything that we can do, there's still going to be a whole lot more to do. But we've got to learn to leave the undone in God's hands. Years ago, I discovered that one of the most frustrating aspects of doing what I do in pastoring is the impossibility of doing everything every day that needs to be done. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not whining or groaning or moaning. I'm just telling you the truth. I've been a senior pastor for 37 years. And in 37 years, I have never, not one time, laid down at night to go to bed thinking, I got everything done. Dad, that's why I do enjoy mowing my own grass. Because it's one thing I can do, and when I'm finished, I can look back and say, that's done. <laughs> because with me, there, there's always one more thing to do. There's always one more person that needs to be seen, one more call that needs to be made, one more visit that needs to be made, one more tweak that needs to be done on my sermon, one more thing that needs to be done. Then one day I found a verse that really, really has helped me out. It's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Here's what it says. Jesus Christ, who was anointed with power and with the Holy Spirit, and he was, wasn't he? Jesus Christ, who was anointed with power in the Holy Spirit, went around doing... What did Jesus go around doing? I think what hit me more than anything is the word that is not used there. Because what I really expected is Jesus Christ, who was anointed with power in the Holy Spirit, went around doing everything. Because if anybody could, he could. But it dawned on me, here, here Jesus is in his earthly ministry, in his human form, and he couldn't do everything. Jesus in his human body could not visit every village. He could not touch every person. He could not heal every sickness. He could not witness to every soul. So what did Jesus do? He did God's agenda for his life, and every day he went around doing good. So that became my prayer, my prayer for me. And this week it's been my prayer for you. Lord, help us to go around every day doing good. Doing good. Whether that is acknowledged by other people or not, that really doesn't matter because that's not what success is. Success is doing what God tells us to do every day. So Lord, help us to put your agenda first. Help us to do what you are asking us to do every day and help us to go around doing good. Fulfilling your personal agenda for our life day by day. You might say, well, preacher, that sounds pretty good, but God could never do much with me. God could never do much with me. Let me close by sharing something that I found years ago. Here's what it said. There are many reasons why God shouldn't have called you. There are many reasons why God shouldn't use you. But don't worry when you feel that way, because you're in good company. And then just let me read what it says. You're in good company because Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected in ministry. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. The only training that Amos had was in fig farming. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich and Jesus was too poor. Abraham was too old and David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. 
Lazarus was dead. (laughs) Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burnt out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worry wart. Samson had long hair. And Noah got drunk. But you know what? God doesn't hire and fire like most bosses. He's got a plan for your life. And more than anything else, on January the 3rd, 2021, God wants you to offer your body as a living sacrifice to him, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. He wants us to redeem the day and the time, to be faithful in things both large and small, and to number our days that we may present to him a heart of wisdom. He wants us to remember, as the psalmist said long ago, our times are in your hands. And more than anything else, God wants you to live day by day doing good. So would you stand to your feet, bow your heads. Those watching online, you can do this as well. Just make that place you stand your altar this morning. And as you stand there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, pray a simple prayer and offer your life back to God as a living sacrifice. Maybe you're listening online or in this room today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Would you invite him into your heart today? Let me tell you, that that is a key decision, the most important decision you can make in life. It's what you do with Jesus. So maybe this morning you need to pray and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins to come into your life and you need to confess him as Lord of your life. If you need to do that, see one of the pastors after service today or this week will help you with your salvation. For the rest of us, let's just make this a time of sacrifice to the Lord. Give him everything. Lord, I give you, I give you this day my life and I pray, dear Lord, that you would use me in 2021 Help me to become a living sacrifice to you. Lord, I want to make good use of of my hours and my days and my moments. But dear Lord, your agenda is the most important thing. And so dear Lord, I, I pray that your agenda would be first. And as I'm about doing my daily to-do list, I pray dear Lord that you would bring divine interruptions into my life. So that I can do the important things. Lord, I pray that not only for me this morning... I pray it for everyone who's listening to me. May we just climb on that altar of sacrifice and give you everything and hold nothing back for for ourselves. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I pray that you have a great 2021. And every day you pray that prayer, putting God's agenda first. You know, it it's our turn. Can I remind you, it's our turn to do something great for God. And 2021 is going to be that year. Uh, the building is progressing. Uh, if you'd like to go over and look through it, uh, more things were done this past week. Just be careful if you go over there. It is a construction zone. Uh, they have the stage in. It is an enormous stage. And if you walk in there, you'll see a, a piece of plywood laying up on top of the stage. It's because I've been standing up there preaching in an empty building. And so far, the acoustics are awesome in that room, all right? So get over there, look at it. We're going to move into that thing uh, towards the end of, of June, hopefully. And uh, I want you to be praying with me. I'm, I'm praying daily, three times a day, I'm th- praying three things for, for it's our turn in the new building. I'm praying, God, would you finish that building? God, finish the building. Number two, God, fund the building. And number three, fill it up with people, Okay. Would you join me in praying that every day? Lord, finish it, fund it, and fill it. It's going to be finished. He'll make sure of that. The funding and the filling is kind of on us too, all right? And we'll talk more about that as we get into 2021. Hopefully, we'll be able to push the play button on It's Our Turn and together help pay for this new building. As you leave today, make sure you mask up. The black boxes are out there. Please drop your tithe and offering in. 
We are still accepting donations and tithes for 2020, all right? They haven't closed the books out on 2020, so if you'd like to give and have it show up in 2020, make sure that you make a notation on your check or your envelope. Uh, tonight at 6.30, there is no Bible study lesson online. That's going to pick up again next week, so look forward to that. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, we're going to be full bore ahead. Uh, services in here with kids and with teenagers. Uh, on KavanaughChurch.com, our website, the third banner that goes across the, the screen is our Team Ron, uh, supporting Ron Rogers, member of our praise team in a motorcycle accident back in February. He's going through therapy. Uh, Sandy posted on Facebook uh, just, I think it was yesterday, of Ron's progress, and, and, and we're praising the Lord for that. Uh, he's doing good in therapy. Thank God. Thank God for that. Keep praying for Ron. Uh, on that banner, we've set up a GoFundMe account, and if you would like to give and support Ron and Sandy, you can do it on that. But here's something else I'm asking you to do. There, there's a way on that that you can share it and link it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I'm asking that you go and do that. Spread it out to the people in your circles of connection so more people can be praying for Ron and Sandy and support them. Hope that you have a great week. Uh, we've got some people in our first service. Uh, Jim Watson, whose mother passed away. That funeral is going to be on Tuesday. Pray for him. Uh, I am praying for you. I want you to pray for me. I don't ask you to pray for me often, but tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock, I'm going under the knife. Uh, they're going to cut my thumb open and give me a new thumb joint. I asked them to make it bionic. Right? So... I don't know if they can actually do that, uh, but anyway, do pray for me. I've never had a joint replacement, and I'm starting out with my thumb. Uh, let's pray it go well, all right? Hey, I love you. Have a great day, a great week. God bless you.